0: Hello, friends. Today's podcast is a special excerpt from Momentum, my private community for heart-based business owners and solopreneurs. We recently had my friend Aisha Purcell as a guest. She took us through a couple of her exercises from her fantastic book, Design the Life You Love. It has a red cover. I highly encourage you to get it. I think this is the perfect time. We're at the midpoint of this insane year that is 2020. And so that's why I brought her into Momentum to do a workshop. This is a compressed edited version of that workshop, but I wanted to share some of this out with all of you here on the podcast in case you find these exercises helpful. She walks us through how to think about our superpowers and our kryptonite as a superhero of our own lives and also doing a sort of life review of what we want to keep moving forward and maybe what it's time to remove. Enjoy. And if you want to join us in momentum, you can learn more at pivot.love slash momentum. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another momentum book club pivot podcast. I am so delighted and excited, relieved, and thrilled to have my friend Aishae Vercell here with us today. Aishae is an incredible woman who I met through Dory Clark, who I'm constantly raving about here in Momentum and on the podcast. Aishae is one of Vast Company's most creative people. In 2017, she's on the Thinkers 50 radar list of the 30 management thinkers most likely to shape the future of organizations. She's recognized as a number one coach in life design by Marshall Goldsmith. She gives lectures on the design, the life, and work you love to corporations. She's the founder of her own design business, Purcell and Sec, the award-winning design and innovation studio, and consults to companies like Amazon, Colgate, Herman Miller, GE, Ikea, Staples, Toyota, and more. Her design process, deconstruction, reconstruction is the red thread across all her work. And her work can also be found in the permanent collection of the Museum of Modern Art. Today, we're talking about her book and she's going to walk us through exercises from Design the Life You Love, a step-by-step guide to building a meaningful future. It's an interactive journal that's a joyful, inspirational guide to building the life you've always dreamed of using the principles and creative process of Aisha. I've just been blown away in every interaction with her of The creativity she brings, but also the heart-based business and life that she leads. You'll see from her materials, they're so creative, they're so engaging. Her approach to how she thinks about life and work and business is very inspiring to me. And with 2020 being such an insane year already, not likely to let up given that it's also an election year, I feel like this is the perfect time for us to check in with Aisha and design the life we love now that we're entering the new no normal. (laughs) How can we create some intentionality around what's next and also reflect on the year to date, seeing as we're halfway through? Without further ado, Aisha, welcome. So happy to have you.
1: Thank you so much. That was a great intro and Hello, everyone. Good morning from New York, uh, Midtown. And Jenny, you're one of my heroes, so it's really a thrill to be here. And I'm just so excited. You and I have talked about collaborating uh, for a long time, and now it's truly happening. So I, I'm just as ex- excited, and it's really great to meet everyone Uh around the table here, or I should say around mm-hmm. Zoom. The the idea here is that we can all design our lives. It doesn't require um, special skills. And actually what I've learned from helping thousands of people design their life um, as young as 13, as old as 90 plus, is that people are extraordinarily creative. It's just that we all need a process to follow through. And, um, you know, Jenny, you have the pivot method, which helps people design um, their life and work. And my method is deconstruction, reconstruction. I'm sure you're finding something similar in, in that um, we, we have this innate capability to think very differently about our life and work. But we can't do it just um, alone we we need to do it with a set of process um, and tools and even better with collaborators so here here's the process it has four steps deconstruction our first step is about taking the whole apart then point of view is looking at those parts from a new angle and forming a new point of view about them seeing the same things differently Reconstruction is putting it back together in a new way, knowing we can't have everything. I hope i'm not the first person to tell you this, but that's why design is so beautiful is um, it's the art of making choices and then the fourth step is expression, giving our ideas form and when i 'm designing products, this could be uh, a prototype, it could be a sketch, it could be the actual end product, it could be a customer experience. Um, When it comes to our life, it could be a manifesto, it could be a letter to ourselves, it could be a roadmap. There are many different expressions that we can create. And the foundation for our work as life and work designers is thinking like a designer. So what are, uh, what are the elements of thinking like a designer, there are five of them. One is optimism, no matter how hard the problem, we have the optimism that we're going to solve this problem and that optimism drives us to new ideas and to the future. Two, empathy, having empathy for ourselves and for each other. Three, holistic thinking, seeing the big picture so that we can connect the dots in new and different ways collaboratively, which is what we're doing here together, building on each other's ideas. And the last one is asking what-if questions. And try asking what-if questions, and you'll see it literally changes the way we think. It's all about having an open mind, especially I find that sometimes our best ideas come from the worst places. So being open to that and saying, what if I did this is really, really key. And the last bit is doing it playfully because when we're playing, we're like kids, we're not afraid of making mistakes and we're trying different things. So I'm asking you today to join me playfully in thinking about your life and knowing there are no wrongs or rights here. It's all about we're learning by doing, which is truly what design is all about. Um, I was listening to Ez Devlin, who's probably the world's most amazing stage designer right now. And she was saying that one of her teachers taught her to always have a pencil and to never think without the pencil. And I thought that's truly so, so design, um, that you always need something to draw, to write, because that's where ideas happen. With that, Jenny and I were thinking that we'll do two exercises together. One is a warm-up, and I call it the superheroes. Uh, so, um, Jenny, do you want to read this quote for me, please?
0: Superheroes were born in the minds of people desperate to be rescued. Jody Yay.
1: Picot. Thank you. So, I really love this because I was listening to a podcast and which was talking about how superheroes, uh, Superman, Superwoman... Iron Man, all those superheroes were actually born around the time of World War II when people really needed to have hope and to, they were desperate to be rescued, just like um, Jodie Picot says. And so with that, we're in a similar time where we need our superheroes. So what I want to do is ask you to uh, draw yourself as your own superhero And imagine what your superpower is and your kryptonite. So uh, I hope you all have a piece of paper and a pen. And I'll give you an example for me to get us started. So here's me as my own superhero of my life. And my superpower is deconstruction, reconstruction. I can deconstruct and reconstruct anything, but my kryptonite Is self-doubt and seeking outside validation in that little voice in my head that goes, can you really do that? So (laughs) with that, I want to turn it to you. um, So please do draw because drawing engages one side of our brain and then do also write. And what I'm going to ask you to do is um, take two minutes. This doesn't have to be a beautiful drawing at all. I just want you to capture in the moment the first superpower that comes to your mind and the first kryptonite. Of course, kryptonite is what cancels out your superpower, right? So it's kind of uh, intentional to pair these together because we want to make sure that we minimize our kryptonite to maximize our
0: superpowers. So let's see, mine, uh, superpowers, love and systems... There's a heart and a grid. And then kryptonite is micro guilt constantly and then people pleasing, which they probably go together.
1: (laughs) Very cool. Thank you. Who's next? A reminder that we are our own lives superheroes. And so knowing our superpowers uh, versus our kryptonite and maybe reminding ourselves of that is really useful especially, I think, as we start the day, to say, I'm going to intentionally spend more time in my superpower side and less on kryptonite. And uh, and sounds like there might be some workshops or sessions coming out of these conversations, so I'm really excited about that. So with that, I want to move us to our second tool and... Jenny, maybe you could do me the favor of reading the quote again.
0: Sure. My wish for you is that you continue, continue to be who and how you are, to astonish a mean world with your acts of kindness. Maya Angelou.
1: Thank you. So I really love this because um, I think these days we do really understand what this mean world is and can be, and that our response to it could be through acts of kindness. Which brings me to ask you uh, what would you like to have in your life? What you, would you like to have more in your life? And what would you like to have less of or get rid of? So that brings us to one of our tools in our toolbox, which is reconstruction. And Jenny and I were talking about the the reconstruction as a good tool to have as we think about how do we move forward from this moment on with the things that we've learned, experienced. What's the kind of life and work that we imagine for ourselves? And even as we were talking about our superheroes, uh, some of you were mentioning that this experience of sheltering in place has taught us things that we want to keep going forward. So with that, I want to ask you, and I'll again give you an example, uh, to pick three essential things to keep, and one thing to avoid, and to do this across family, work, friends, and well-being. And the reason that I keep pick these four subjects is for two reasons. One is, um, last year, we did a year-long study with people who are 65 and over who are living long lives and actually are the, the wisest people that I've ever met. And after working with them for uh, and helping them design the aging they love um, over many months, the thing that emerged uh, from that study was really simple and yet profound. Basically, they said, we want the same things that you all want. We want love. We want Uh, friendship we want work in finding meaning and we want well-being it's just that how we get to those things could be a little bit different so those things stuck to my mind as like really key elements of a good life so with that let's see Ah, there we go Here's one example from um, Frank Wagner, who came to one of the um, virtual teas that we do. And uh, I'll share a link for that afterwards. And you can take a screenshot of this if you'd like, just as an example, because that's part of our collaboration As we, as we see other people think about their life and work, it makes us reflect about ours. And so, uh, His three things for his family is to be there for them to be a positive example and also to be vulnerable, which I thought is really interesting. And then his thing to avoid is he wants to avoid being too important in his family's lives. So I thought, how interesting, how wise. And then um, in terms of work, to keep being service to others, making a positive difference and um, Leaving a footprint for those, I can't see the rest of that sentence. Let's see. Jenny, could you read me the rest of that? In sharing mode, I can't see the whole screen.
0: Oh, sure. In, in work?
1: Leave a footprint for those who follow. Okay, I got it. Thank you. And then avoid, um, hold on. And for him, to avoid is adding too much value, which also I find is very wise. And so you can see the rest. Um, again, The what to avoid is almost as important as the essentials, right? So with that, I'm going to ask you to take a couple minutes and at least get yourself started on your essentials and things to avoid across these um, four elements. Oh, and I was going to say, The reason that the the four um, topics is important, it also helps us to think holistically, which is seeing the big picture, which is part of thinking like a designer. It just gives structure to our thinking. For me, the realization, I used to do reconstruction uh, when I first started Design the Life You Love um, as a list of your choices. Like this is your ingredients list in a way, right? And those are the things that you then combine in different ways to create a life. And, and I wasn't thinking about things to avoid. And that kind of came later in, the, in, the, in my experience in showing people how to design their life. Um, and realized that it's really essential to also recognize what you want to take out. Uh, from your ingredients list, because then you're making space for everything else. Uh, That's why in our conversation, um, Andrea and Joanne, it it was really uh, interesting for me that you hit upon the same idea of um, acknowledging what you want to cross out as as important as what you want to include. So with that, um, those were the two um, tools that we wanted to use. But uh, we'll talk about like the, the different things. Maybe, Jenny, at the end, you could give me a little time to talk about the things that we do um, to practice these tools. And, and what we found is, like Jenny and I were both saying, this is an ideal time to practice design in your life because – everything is changing anyway so why don't we take ownership of that and change it um, the way we want to to see ourselves and our lives and work change so with that I'm really excited I thought this is a really I I knew Jenny that you would have the most amazing group of people but doing the exercises with you kind of is great proof so thank you for that I'm totally inspired
0: Thank you, Aisha. I know it, it's, um, I feel very lucky that we have this group here in Momentum and just seeing all the hearts that abound in your presentation, Aisha, and in, in everyone's drawings, just so much care and compassion. I was thinking of, from a business sense, one of the voids that I wrote down is underpricing and overcommitting or overgiving. Maybe a kryptonite in general of heart based business is that we want to give so much and we want, we care so much about our clients and our companies that we work with that often we don't put ourselves front and center and really orient around that. And I just love Aisha, how you've walked us through these areas family, work, well being, and friends to think about as we do design ahead into 2020, how do we be intentional and how do we? put our own well-being at the center of that. I'd love to open it up now to questions from everybody and I'll kick off with one. I say with so much changing so quickly, I know that when the pandemic hit, I started talking when I was getting interviewed about we're all pivoting daily now. And design thinking is also about being agile, it's about d- being dynamic, it's about responding in the moment and even your designs the the furniture that you've done or the office solutions that you've done are designed with that dynamism in mind. I'm wondering, how are you approaching life and work as we go into the second half of the year, knowing that as soon as you make a plan, you know, what's that saying? Um, what's it saying? It's like make a plan. So God will laugh at you or something like God laughs at plans. I don't even know. I'm bungling it right now. Cause I've not gotten sleep. We've had fireworks every day, <laughs> but, um, how are you doing this Aisha and how are you navigating the uncertainty and also some of the frustration and impatience and all of the ancillary things that come with this moment that we're in the tension in the air, the anxiety uh, and still crafting. It's almost daring to design the life you love right now when it feels like so much is dissolving in our society.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Jenny. And I think we're all kind of struggling with that um in i i'm reading the uh we make plans and god laughs um well if you design i i don't think there's any uh god's not laughing at design so design. <laughs> maybe the the piece that's missing is the uh kind of the the visual piece of uh, your plans but so um I mean, one of the things that really kept me going is I look at everything from the lens of being a designer. Uh, and in design, challenges are, are opportunities. So that really ke- keeps me afloat and trying to constantly see a challenge as an opportunity. So when we first started sheltering in place, I was really um, – it was hard for me to find that optimism that I talk about from a designer's perspective. And and the thing that helped me is realizing that in this challenge, my opportunity is to help other people. And when I help other people, I uh, it truly changes my mood. And in my example for that is I really believe in like collaborating and, um, and gathering inspiration with, from other people and kind of looking at who's doing something that inspires me and then what would be my version of it. So in that, I saw uh, Marshall Goldsmith, and both Jenny and I are part of this um, community of coaches and thought leaders that Marshall Goldsmith has um who's known as the world's number one leadership coach. You might have heard of him from Jenny, but um, he created this community and we're both part of it. And the first thing he did um, as we started sheltering in place was he put um, a practice of um, daily calls where we can all call in. And if we don't, it's totally okay. But if we can, um, it's a way for us to learn from each other and to collaborate in, as he did that, that that was his first respond, response, but as he did that, he also said, if I can help one of you, that's enough for me, and so I love that, because it suddenly lowered the, the threshold of, like, he wasn't saying, I need to help, like, Thousands of people or millions of people. You, you just saying if I could just help one person, and I thought, okay, I can. I think I can manage that. And with that, started doing these um, design the life if you love virtual teas, which um, happens every Wednesday. We have one at five today. Um, if you'd like to join, uh, I think the the link is in the chat box. And and I when I started doing, and the idea is that I would share. Well, first of all, I had no idea what I was going to do, so I should back up. <laughs> I didn't know. I just knew like, if I could reach out to people and see if they'd be interested. So the people start showing up, and then I think the first time we did it, we asked them, like, what do you want us to do together? Should it be a conversation? Should it be some tools that we use? And then we settled in with uh, their input. We settled into doing one warm-up exercise like we've done, the superheroes is one, for example. And then one um, exercise from my book or from my practice. And then we have one guest, and Jenny was our guest uh, a couple weeks ago, which was amazing. She talked about um, doing little tests and prototypes in your life. And so and that kind of became a structured way for us to gather and to um, think about the situation that we're in differently. And not feel alone, um, and the, and the funny thing was, I didn't see this coming. But I was thinking I was helping others, but the the, the it really helps me the most because I come out of them feeling like, um, like I'm not alone. I have a beautiful community like you all here um, in Momentum, and so long answer, <laughs> but that's how I'm. Dealing with it in the, um, and it's interesting because it, (laughs) you know, it's hard to design your life when you're the teacher (laughs) and it's easier for me to help other people design their life. It's harder for me to apply it to my life. But one of the realizations that I've had actually very recently, um, was that, I want to do the things that I truly love, that make me feel lighter, even though I don't quite know where they're going to take me. And the realization was because I don't want to leave without having done them, you know? So, and in a way, that's like the definition of design your life. It's like that original life and you don't quite know but you're, you're convinced you need to try this out like that, Jenny, your, your prototypes, you know, so that I'll report back on that, but that's kind of where all this is kind of making me realize this, that's what I want to do.
0: <laughs> so beautifully said. Thank you, Aisha. It reminds me of what Andrea said about not having the patience to do things she doesn't want to do. And I feel that's a common theme emerging from all of this too. I love how you phrased it, that you want to do what you love, even if you don't know where it's going to lead and what makes you feel lighter. I had written down too: follow my bliss. There are certain things Mm -hmm. in my business that make me feel purely blissful. And then there's so much that doesn't. And what would happen if we're all truly honest with ourselves about that distinction? If you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. Thank you, Theo. That's the phrase I was looking for. <laughs> we have a great question from Sarah. So Sarah, I'll throw it over to you next.
1: Perfect. Um, my question is uh, kind of going along with my theme of the tiny boxes on the calendar. I'm curious as such a
0: creative person yourself, what are your kind of routines, structures, habits that you use to connect to your own creativity and to have time for creative thinking, making your gorgeous drawings, um, kind of your own creativity in your own life.
1: Oh, thank you for asking that. It, uh, because I'm finding that the, the, those habits and rituals are so important, in, um, and they do stick when they become rituals. So one of the things that I realized is that I've fallen out of my creative ritual and finding it hard to get back in. Um, and and repetition is the only way I know how of getting back in. So my my ritual is I've taught myself to get up early. Um, so I'm not practicing it these days. So just know it's not a natural for me. It's just that um, when you know, as a working mom with the kids, I realized that I was, I didn't have much time to myself. And so during the day I would work and you know how work is, it's just like you have email and meeting and this and that. And You don't really have a lot of creative time. Um, and then the kids would really, the evenings and the weekends were all about kids and in balancing the two things. And I I was really getting frustrated that I didn't have time to think uh, of new ideas. And so one thing that I um, decided to do is to learn to get up before everybody else and have one hour where five to six, six to seven, um, where nobody's asking me to do anything and I can just like sketch and think. Um, and the trick to that is one, you do have to get up, <laughs> and now. So these days, I'm having a hard time with it because I get up and I'm like, okay, what was I going to do today? And then I do email instead, and that ruins it because uh, before I know it, my window has disappeared. Like, and everybody starts getting up, and you know, um, so I'm trying to. <laughs> Uh, talk it through with you as a reminder for myself to say you get up at five you don't do email you don't do shopping lists or whatever you just pick one thing and uh, for me that's like drawing um, ideas for my um, next book design the work you love and it's all it is is one hour and those one hours add if I can keep to them so and and that's my ritual it works great when it works i love that i feel similarly and i find that as well even without kiddos that the early part of the day is the is really the magic but i love the way you said that it it works well when it works (laughs) when you do it exactly And, and you're making me think it marries with this thing that um stephen king wrote this beautiful book. It's, it's called On Writing. So Stephen King, the, um, the horror story author, right, the bestseller author, but he's, he actually has an amazing book on writing called On Writing. Um, yay, Sarah loves that book. Sarah, you and I might have a lot in common. He basically says the, the, the thing about writing is you just put your, I think he, he literally says like, you have to put your ass down you have to put your bottom down and write. And that's the only way that the um, inspiration and, you know, your muse knows how to find you because your muse doesn't come every day, comes sometimes. But when she comes, you are in your seat, you're there, you're open to it. And so that's the trick to me. That's the, I need to be in my seat from like five to six every day in case my muse shows up.
0: I'll chime in on that. Both of my books I wrote with a majority of 15 to 30 minutes in the mornings. The first one I was working at Google full time and I was so exhausted during the week. I just couldn't do anything. And then with Pivot, I was so tired, not tired, but focused on paying my bills and running my business that it, even though I was self-employed, the second one, it's not like I felt so free that I had all day, every day. I actually felt a lot of pressure to keep supporting clients and doing income generating activities. And although I, in both books, I did put together some sprints, some weekend sprints for editing or writing, the, v- the majority happened because I only had 15 minutes at a time. So I share that just in case it's encouraging for anybody to say, oh, actually 15 minutes is useful. It's not a wash. And I'm trying to tell myself that about exercise too. (laughs) Because sometimes I think if I don't have an hour, then I'm not going to do it. I I love that.
1: Thank you for reminding us of that, Jenny.
0: Sure. I have a question about your book, specifically page 166 on expression. You say your expression is the voice of who you are and the life you want to live. And the illustration says one plus one equals unique. This is a selfish question now (laughs) for me and maybe others have it as well. As I look to pivoting my podcast and trying to make it more specific and even more unique, as more and more shows come out, it's going to be harder to stand out. And this is true across various media as they mature. It's always, there's early adopters. And then all of a sudden, everybody gets involved, big media companies, celebrities, well-funded shows. And so this question of uniqueness is really on my mind. And I've brought this up multiple times on the podcast. I've heard the phrase, you can't read the label from inside the jar. I'm wondering how you help people tap in to their uniqueness and for you, it's, it's so inspiring to see your work because your visual voice is so unique. I mean, right from the slides to your book, to everything that you do, it's there. And even in your industrial design, how do you coach people? And when you're pivoting, Aisha, how do you distill what's truly unique and then what isn't?
1: That's a great question, Jenny. It, uh, thank you for asking that. It, uh, the first thing that came to my mind as I was listening to you is that I think it's the combination of you doing what you do, like me doing what I comes naturally to me, but then having somebody on the outside that can have an objective view into what you do. And so for me, it's both uh, an individual endeavor and it's a collaboration. Um, The reason I'm saying that is I find that, like I was saying earlier, it's hard to look at yourself objectively. So having somebody else that um, you trust who understands how you think, I think is essential to the process. So for me, what happened is... Um, you know, the beginning of creating, design the life you love where I was experimenting you know, I did it my own way because I didn't know how to do it any other way but for example when people asked me to write a book, I was like, oh okay, I should write a book writing a book means writing so I tried to write my book and it sucked and it (laughs) I I still have that somewhere Um, and it it was so boring that I couldn't read it. And then I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm not an author, so I'm not a writer. I should ha- write it with somebody else. And then I tried to do that with a friend of mine. And and all, all I could, like a ghostwriter, all I could hear was his voice. And I'm like, but that doesn't make sense. Like, that doesn't sound like me. You know, I, I don't want that to be my book. Um, he was a great author it just was like his voice (laughs) and then so for me what changed everything was Leah Kaplan who's one of my um, close collaborators we've worked together for many many years and she was the one who kind of watched me struggle and then basically said you know Aisha everything you do is visual your book needs to be visual and and she was like, look at this book and look at that book. And she showed me, um, um, now I have to remember, um, uh, Wreck This Journal was one of the examples. And, uh, and some other books like that, that. And that opened up a space in my head where I could now imagine, yes, of course, My book should be a visual book. And then I started drawing it. And then I started writing about what I drew, which is my process. But I just needed somebody else to remind me of that. So um, I think, and now I'm finding myself in a similar place of, um, like, as I'm working on um, design, the work you love, Uh, thinking of all the great books that are out there around work and thinking, like, I should write, I should, like, interview people, I should, like, what everybody else is doing. But yet what I need is to find my voice, my original stance on why it's important to love your work and how you could figure that out and do it visually because that's how how I think and that's how I know how to do. Uh, And then that becomes my original way. Um, so I don't know if that answered, but
0: (laughs) that's so good. I love how you just described my original stance, where you stand, what you truly believe, speak from the heart first, and then later, if you want to add in interviews and isn't it interesting in the creative process, especially around book writing, when we, we say should anything that starts with a should. My first book I describe as Twitter meets What Color Is Your Parachute because I couldn't stand to write these long boring chapters that I felt was how most books are structured with. And I didn't want to do all the research and I didn't want to have to have the pressure to write it in a way that didn't wasn't joyful. Ajay, I know we just have a couple minutes sure. left. So maybe you can give a 30 to 60 second response. I want to be mindful of your time. Kevin asked, what do you do when you're intimidated or blocked staring at a blank page, especially for those of us that don't think of ourselves as visually creative? And then can you please let everybody know how they can keep in touch and go deeper with your work?
1: Thank you. And um, that actually, Kevin, is a great question. And that's why I uh, developed deconstruction, reconstruction so that I had a sense of what I do when I'm stuck. Uh, and instead of doing it intuitively every time, I was like, hold on, there is a method to this. So the, the, for, my, for, uh, for me, there are two entryways into a blank page. One is uh, drawing and drawing anything, kind of like we did superheroes. But I mean, I could like, take this and draw this glass. And it doesn't have to be a beautiful glass. Often it's not. It's just uh, I need to turn on my right brain and kind of kind of say, hey, I'm entering the creative space and drawing is really key to that. The other piece of it is um, deconstruction and deconstruction is taking the whole apart. It's, it's kind of like reconstruction, but in reverse. And... Uh, and it's literally when I'm trying to think about something, let's say um, how people work today. I mean, that's a big topic, and all I can think of is like offices or meetings and this and that. And I, as I'm doing that, I'm like, okay, well, let me put those things down. So I mind map it into a, a page, but organize it in like you today in reconstruction, you saw the organization was across those four topics family work friends and um, well-being in a similar way I deconstruct things across emotion physical intellect and spirit to make sure that I'm thinking holistically about this topic and then um, and just use that structure as a way to guide myself into a topic um, so that that's uh, my um, my entry point and then maybe the last piece is, I try and f- I find that putting people, even if it's just like bubble heads or stick figures onto my page, helps me remember that whatever I do is about people. And it's, whether it's family, my collaborators, end users, um, clients, it's all about people. And to me, that inspires me. And then I think about it differently. Everyone, it was such a pleasure meeting you. Um, I was telling Jenny and everyone uh, that we do the um, weekly virtual teas. It's every Wednesday at five o'clock New York time. So if you want to join Jenny, put the, uh, the link into the chat box. If you'd like to subscribe to our newsletters, then you'll know what we're up to. There's a link for that as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Aisha. This has been such a treat, such a delight to share your genius with us. And thank you for your generosity of time, of creativity, and of spirit. You give so much. And I'm incredibly grateful to know you and to be able to keep figuring out how we'll collaborate moving forward. Thank you, Mo members, for being here and participating. You really brought this to life today. So thank you so much, everybody. And thanks to anyone who's listening uh, from the future, from to the recording. Jenny, you're my inspiration
1: about generosity and honesty and love. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. That means the world. Thank you, Ayesha. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Bye, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Pivot Podcast. Hasn't it always?